Welcome to the hundredth episode Man, of the ridiculous. Scripture Podcast. One hundred. I can't believe we've done a hundred of these. <laughs> that is crazy. Yes, but cool. Yeah. But really weird. Yeah. Hard. Hard yeah. to believe. I saw that and I just couldn't help but mention it. Yeah. Anyway. It's really something. A uh, hundred. Didn't know we'd make it this far whenever we started. So this is Eric and Gina Robinson, mm-hmm. and we are. Nothing new today. Just wanted to kind of say, yay, 100th episode. Um, We're in the middle of the Gospel of Luke. Mm -hmm. And today we're going to discuss chapter 10, verses 17 through probably 24. Yeah. Don't think we'll get any further. I always have these big ambitions in my head, but that's probably as far as we'll get. Yeah, I think that's right. Um, And that's good. There are so many little details in here to focus on that I think it will be good for us to spend that time here. I'm actually kind of excited that this is our 100th episode on this particular passage because um, I am amazed at what is in here and how much of this passage from Luke chapter 10 verse 17 through 24 is packed with information and of course we can say that about all of them but we um, but there's a lot here to bring out just in these little phrases that Jesus is saying and the way that he's trying to teach his disciples here um, we, we read over it very very easily it's so easy to just skim over this and let our eyes hit on this and not really think about what he's trying to say but I think by unpacking it, we're going to get a lot closer to where we need to be when we're trying to understand just the the gravity of what Jesus is trying to get across to his disciples here. I mean, he's saying these really, really powerful things he needs right. them to pick up on. And I really what he's do saying. think, I, I mean, this has never been a very fascinating passage to me, mm-hmm. honestly. I've kind of just read through it. I don't really, okay, there's some weird stuff in here. Mm-hmm. But it's not, um, I don't know. I guess I've never been on big in on big discussions about it. Maybe mm-hmm. we've avoided it. But um, we have the background here of Jesus has set his face toward Jerusalem. Yeah. So he has determined this is where he's going. Mm-hmm. Um, and, his, uh, and all that that means. Yep. And then he has, um, he's warned his followers his disciples about Mm -hmm. the cost of following him again yeah and then he sent out these 72 disciples yes 70 to 72 we We talked about that last time about that number yeah Um, related to numbers chapter 11 and all of that so yes he sent sent them out out to do ministry new moses style with his blessing slash spirit on them and, and off they go to, to do mission work, work. Yep. honestly. Yep. And um, then we had this kind of warning. Right. Jesus gets very, very serious with a couple of local Jewish cities uh, here and compares them to even like Sodom we saw in verse mm-hmm. 12. Uh, and then he's going to compare them to Tyre and Sidon in verse 13 and make clear that, boy, if... Uh, they, these guys have had great opportunity to see God at work. Right. And if they haven't done it there, I mean, the suffering that will take place, the judgment that will fall uh, will be severe because, yeah. 
kind of in the middle of these passages about the 72 mm-hmm. because the then good. they come back after that story mm-hmm. and that's what yep. we're going to talk about today but yep. I think about is this you know this is in the middle of this because it's wrapped up in the reception that these 72 right. are going to get they're getting out a there. good reception out there that's mm-hmm. right they are and even when they left, Jesus was talking to them about being received and being rejected right. and what that was going to look like. And so cities who do reject yep. are going to uh, face, suffer consequences. Face severe judgment. And now, we're like you said, we're going to see the 72 return and they're going to be really, really pleased with the reception that they've received thus far. Right. They've, they've run into some good, they've had some good outcomes. And so they're very happy about it. But of course, it won't always. That's like you're saying, verse 14 through 16, is it? Um, 13 through 16 really let us know that good outcomes will not always take right. place and there will ultimately be severe judgment for those who don't receive. Um, so that kind of sits at the, that does sit at the heart of this extended structure we're walking through right now, the idea of reception or rejection of what Jesus is doing and what he's doing through his disciples really is coming to the fore uh, in this passage and these, these, this longer extended section we're in. Okay, so let's read about them coming back. Okay, sounds like a great idea. We will start our reading in verse 17. reading verses 17 through 20. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Okay, so even this little section here has several pieces I think it would be good for us to talk about. It's so easy to just read over and not Mm -hmm. really, because what does that even mean? Yeah, exactly. Just hard to figure out exactly (laughs) what it means in the first place. Why in the world he's saying it? So it's just easy to read past because we don't understand it completely. I think they seem astonished at the power they had over demons. mm Mm-hmm. And what was happening in the spiritual realm as they yeah. were out on this missionary journey. Yeah. That's what seems like that they were astonished at that. And then it was actually working. Mm-hmm. And they were amazed. Yeah. And uh, and so they're very excited, naturally, very happy mm-hmm. when they returned. Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. That is great. That's a yeah. wonderful thing, you know. Can you and imagine have, how, yeah, I mean, we should feel that way. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, be very excited about that. And there are people who use Jesus' name, obviously, in exorcisms today. Um, that's a very, you know, of course, in our modern American culture, we don't we don't even bring up the word exorcism very often. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's pretty rare and it's only in a religious context and we're not even sure it's yeah. (laughs) Or scary movie context. Exactly. (laughs) And we're not even sure it's real, but you know, we do talk about it sometimes comes up a little bit, mainly in reference to scripture or something like that. Whereas you have the church throughout the world, which, uh, uh, let's say a church in a, 
a lot of churches in third world contexts find the idea of exorcism to be something that has very usual, normal application in life. I mean, it's something that you have to be uh, kind of ready to do or, or, or others around, at least be connected to a church that's ready to do that if necessary. Um, this may seem odd to us, but it is still being practiced throughout the world. Um, even in some, uh, you know, I said third world and definitely not always third world countries. Um, that I'll just put a little plug in. There's a book that became a movie and I didn't even see the movie because I'm afraid what Hollywood does to books like this. But there's a book called The Right, which is just written strictly about a um, about a, a priest, a Catholic priest who was asked if he would be here in America, his local area's exorcist. And he didn't even know when he was asked that that was something that was still done among Catholics. He was kind of surprised, but uh, he said he would, and he was sent to uh, Italy to learn how to do exorcism. And so it's the whole process, what he went through and, and what he got to see while he was learning and everything, really eye-opening to say the least. Uh, and so just something that's written from a modern perspective about how it works and what it is. And so um, if you're having any qualms about that, I would say there are some books out there you can probably get a hold of that would really kind of help you at least get an idea of what goes on still um, and the importance of that. Jesus is the one that has real power over the demons. And so right. that's what but this has, is all really when about. When he sent them out, he gave them his authority. authority. And that's what they're, I think, amazed at is yeah. that they actually did have his authority to cast out these demons. Exactly. And we've seen him doing that in the first part of the book of Luke. Mm -hmm. uh, yes. One one on one, but then casting out the legion mm -hmm. of demons yes. that was in the man uh, in chapter what was that chapter eight? Just a couple chapters Seven. ago, but um, um, whenever he was, yes, um, yeah, it was in eight. Okay. So that was, I think, I think it had been leading up, building up to that, so yep. that we could see he had authority not just over one demon at a time. But over all the demons. Yes. And then he demons. gave that authority to his disciples. Really, really something. And they were amazed mm -hmm. that they had that, they that it really had, that he had really been able to give them that authority, mm -hmm. I think. Yeah, maybe. I think you're right. And it's through only through his name, of course. So he's the one through whom they have to work. It can't just be on their own behalf that they're doing it that's never going to be how it works and you could even use his name and not have a connection to him have no connection to him and it would be of no effect um so we see that in acts chapter 19 verse 13 where there are some local exorcists who are trying to use jesus's name to cast out demons and the demons are throwing it right back in their face yeah i know who jesus is i even know who paul is but you guys i have no idea who you are and he beats them up the, the demon possessed me and beats everybody up and throws them out of the house mm -hmm. so it it's not that his name has any like it's not an abracadabra it's not some kind of magic word that you can use to make demons do what you want they right. need to have connect these guys obviously have connection to their teacher and are using his name in the proper way and with proper um, respect so all of that is important
And then he says to them, I saw Satan fall like Jesus says to them. I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Now that's a strange statement. Yeah. And only Luke makes it. Nobody right. else makes it. So what does Luke even mean by using this statement? It does seem to have a connection, in my opinion, to Revelation 12, 8, and 9, where we have a war in heaven that takes place. Michael and his and the angels under him are fighting against Satan and his angels, a third of the angels apparently that he's been able to talk into trying to rebel. And they are Satan and his are defeated, thrown out of heaven, cast out of heaven. Satan is cast down to the earth. Now he's very, very angry and he goes after the woman who is left there. Um, and she's protected ultimately by God. But all of that is a very, you know, we want to be careful talking about this stuff because that is very uh, apocalyptic apocalyptic imagery. It's hard to interpret and we don't want to make too much out of stuff. And yet we do have, you know, it's enough of an indication that there was at some point some sort of battle in heaven somehow that took place in which Satan got cast out. I think the that ultimately that can, right there in that passage in Revelation chapter 12, it's where the woman is having her baby. And the baby does get raised up to sit on the throne in heaven next to God. And right. then the woman stays on earth, but is protected in the wilderness. And so I... With all so of those connections that are being here? made there, it seems like this is connected to Jesus' ministry, his birth, his ministry, his death, and then being raised to heaven. That all of this is when Satan loses his place. Because of this is Satan loses his place in heaven. Right. And by losing his place in heaven, what do we really mean? Well, that, that accuser that we see in Job that has seems to have direct access to the throne room of God and be able to, you know, okay. accuse people who love God and who, you know, not being good and not that same kind of position that he had and access that he had, he does not have anymore. That's what it seems like to so, me. So do you think that Jesus is making a statement of what, is happening in the spiritual realm mm -hmm. even during his ministry even during right now yes by him being able to give his authority to his disciples and they're going out and being able to do this on a widespread basis mm -hmm. yes uh, casting demons out throughout he is, the area he's saying this is part of what i'm what is happening in mm -hmm. the spiritual realm and i Satan think so falling. yeah i think so that his power is extending in a way that has never happened before now. I mean, not in an earthly, visible sense, certainly. There's been no no way to do this before. And now, though, through Jesus, we can see that the kingdom of God truly is coming to bear and is taking over. And because of that, Satan has lost access and uh, that he's had before to God and the privilege that he's had in heaven. That we can't really understand, but somehow. Yes, somehow. Is, so, yeah, yeah we don't have enough exactly information to works. even. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but I do think that Revelation 12 is a good tie in, probably in Isaiah 14 12 tie in also, although that's a little bit, 
you know, more obscure, just a little bit harder to understand, but we're talking about um, the king of Babylon there and him losing his place. But many have seen that as very much a typological presentation of what's happening to Satan. And I think rightfully so. So throughout the ages, many church fathers and others have seen Isaiah chapter 14, verse 12 and following as describing, even though it's describing very obviously on the surface, the king of Babylon. Sure, that's what yes. the beginning of Isaiah 14. But in a larger see, sense. But in a typological right. sense, the king of Babylon does represent uh, the Satan, who is the king of the world, right. the I ruler agree. of the world. And so we're, so we're getting um, a typology in there that probably points forward to something like this where we see, okay, because even there in chapter 12 uh, or 14 of Isaiah, it talks about him falling like a star from heaven. Right. And so we see this fell like lightning from heaven. We can't help but wonder mm-hmm. if that's where, that if, sounds, if there's yeah. a little connection there that Jesus is making to, to his scriptures, to what he knows in scripture. Um, so then behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall hurt you. That's verse 19. So now he's telling this to the disciples. They come back. Look, you do have this authority. You are able to go forward like Which this. Which people you are have, used, have this. used this verse to do some stupid things. Unfortunately, so yes. So I, I just want to point out that these disciples did get hurt mm-hmm. and actually... Martyred. Even martyred for their <laughs> for their proclamation yes, of Jesus. But that's not what he's talking about here. That's right. And um, serpents and scorpions certainly represent evil, evil and bad things, yes. and things that could harm God's people. Right. They represent it, like you're saying. Deuteronomy eight fifteen. This is actually, I believe, without question, this is a quote back to that. Jesus is pulling that where Moses is telling the people, look, you made it all the way through the wilderness to the promised land and God has kept the serpents and scorpions from being able to kill <laughs> yes. you all this time. Yes. That's why you've made it this far. And that's what that sounds like exactly here. That, yeah. That they're going to walk through some difficult times. Yes. But he's going to take care of them. Yes. As long as they're supposed to be here. That's right. And you know. And that God's people as a whole will make it to the promised land yes. because God will protect us yes. from the power of serpents and scorpions. Yeah. Um, so I think that's exactly where we're headed He's, here. I, I think really letting them know that his that God's protection is upon them for this mission that they have. Yes. And that yes. doesn't mean they're not going to suffer it, as individuals. Yes. And even maybe die martyrs' deaths. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the kingdom and yes. what God has done to protect his people will stay in place right. and he will bring them to and that the wouldn't right happen place. before right it was the right time for it to happen yes so, I think so yeah. so then verse 20 nevertheless do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you but rejoice that your names are written in heaven right okay. so don't get um, don't get yourself to be all focused on all these the kind things of you can do. You have. Yeah, exactly. Uh, things you can do through the authority that Jesus but gives. But stay you. focused on the fact that your names are written. Yes, yeah, so what should really make you happy. You have your salvation. Yes. And that, that is what makes all of this Man. worth it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no question. 
And so that whole names written in heaven thing, we see that book of God referenced several times throughout the Bible. Exodus 32, 32 and 33. Psalm 69, verse 28 is referenced again. We even have New Testament references like you were telling me earlier. Philippians 4, chapter, uh, chapter 4, verse 3. Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, and chapter 20, verse 15. Right. All of these are, so the, so that's a theme that runs so throughout idea, this whole book, is that God book, has yeah, a book, yeah, with the notes. So we hear that um, when you've heard about the name that's written in the book, is your name in the book? I mean, maybe you've heard some things even from being a kid that you are, <laughs> that now you're thinking about, where does that come from? Well, it does, uh, you know, it comes it's from all scripture. scripture it's actually. really a theme that runs all through scripture. Yeah. So rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That's what you want to be happy about. You don't have to be so happy. Don't don't put it all on, hey, look what I can do uh, because God gave me a power to do stuff. It's right. cool stuff. I can cast out demons. I can, oh, this is so cool. No, our real rejoicing, our real happiness comes from the fact that we are connected to God and what right. he has done. Whether we could people. do anything. Yes. Yeah. Like that. So, yeah. For sure. Well, we better get on to this next part or we're not even going to get as far as I said. Well, I think we'll make it. Um, but yeah, 21 through 24. Let's read that. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. The sovereignty of God is what is oozing out of this passage. I mean, there's just no way around it. That's what this is about. That same hour, you said, verse 21, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit. So again, Luke loves that Holy Spirit reference. He keeps giving that to us time and time again. He rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Now, that is absolutely beautiful to me. First of all, God is hiding it which we may not like when we first read it. We're like, wait, what yeah. What does that say? It says God's hiding stuff. Right. Yes, God has, has hidden it. Stuff, yeah. And who's he hidden it from? Well, the wise and understanding. What he's, well, what's being said here. The ones who here, think they can get it by knowledge, learning, trying, by learning, learning, by doing anything. Greater than, yeah, right. Reading more books, having greater human understanding. If I could just understand more, if I could, if I could know more, if I could understand more. I mean, Solomon pointed out in Ecclesiastes how ridiculous it was to spend your life just learning and learning and learning and learning and learning, because it, uh, there was no end to it, and ultimately it was just going to be a, a meaningless pursuit because you'd build all your knowledge and build it and build it and build it, but. It wasn't going to be helpful in extending life or well, really kind what of the problem to is, it's or... not, I just have to say this, it's not you spending time in the Bible. Mm-hmm. 
doing the things that you know God has called us to do mm-hmm. it's that we somehow think we are doing something that the more we try the more we read the more we it's it's a fine it's hard to describe because it's that moment when you cross over into it's something I'm doing yeah. rather than it's something that I'm waiting for God to reveal to me yeah through these passages yeah or through my prayer or right it's about him revealing things yes versus you actually finding it or somehow because otherwise we start getting to thinking that we did it Mm -hmm. that's right we figured it out we're so smart Mm -hmm. we have the inside track yep and he's saying no i'm going to actually give it to infants yes infants which is the word that gets used here in verse and 21. infants can't do anything for themselves. Exactly. They're that's totally the dependent, and yeah. that's the point of this passage. Yes. Could have used the Greek word technia, could have used the Greek word paideon, both of which mean children and little children, but he didn't. He used the word napion, which means infants, tiny babies, those who can't do a thing. They can't even walk around on their own. They can't, they just, you've got to do everything for them. That's the word he used that God is revealing this to. And this is a big theme through Luke, this what God hides and what God reveals. And so that's what we're seeing here, his choice to reveal. His sovereign will. And like it says here, yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. He's the one who chose to do it. And he chooses to do it completely from his grace. He does it. What a beautiful thing that is. So God, so Jesus is rejoicing because the disciples are coming to have these understandings. Um, Those around him are coming to have these understandings. And it's not because like the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they've spent all their time pouring over God's word in every minute detail and parsing it out into every time. Because they're actually forming a relationship with him. Yes. And so God chooses how he wants it done. It's going to be through that relationship, like you said. So, all things, verse 22, have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. So here we get to it again. It's when the Son chooses to reveal the Father to someone that they really get to know. And it's the Father's true identity and Mm -hmm. the Son's true identity. Which is interesting to me because we can learn all about God. Mm -hmm. But learning his true identity only comes from Jesus revealing it to us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Agreed. That's the only way we can get there. Only way to get there. It's the only way to get there. Yeah, I I agree. And it's beautiful in that way. And and it's wonderful to see that that's how it works. But it can be a little... It's wonderful, but it's also hard. I mean, I think that's hard to let go of the fact that... Maybe if I do some more, maybe if I study harder, maybe if I, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, because if you if you have that mentality, or if you're raised in that mentality of the more you put in, the more you should get out, the more effort you make, the more you should get out right. of it. And it's really not about the effort. No. It's about and yet it is about. And yet there should be effort. That's <laughs> it's right. It's so hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. There should be effort in it's our It's about walk. walking. It's about a whole way of life. Mm-hmm. Walking with him. Show us things, and so mm-hmm. yes, which he will do in his time. We do put an effort, but we know that ultimately it's about him revealing things to us. 
Then turning to his disciples, he said privately, so just to those who are close to him, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. These were great men. And maybe women too that he's talking about. These some female prophets who've been around prophetesses who've been around. um, That, yeah, would have wanted to know everything that God had been talking about in his Messiah and the coming of his Messiah. They didn't get to see. They didn't get to hear. It reminds me of that passage about angels long to look into these mm-hmm. things. Yes, know? absolutely it does. Even yeah. the angels don't know. Didn't get to know. In the, what the, we, mm-hmm. what is revealed to us. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and I think you're absolutely right. And so it is all, and it's all about the fact that God by his gracious will has done it. And so you're blessed. You're blessed by God, he says in verse 23. Blessed are you. So you've received a great blessing from God. Receive it for what it is. Appreciate it for what it is. It's a beautiful thing that you have access to that so many would love to know and look into. And yet you have it. So appreciate it for what it is. We should do the same. I mean, we've because of where because of the time we live in, because we have people who are close to us who have also helped us come closer to God because of the culture maybe we live in where we have more access uh, to these things. All of these things work together to help us and God uses these things and it opens the door for us. But even in our culture, all the people don't know. So it's still got something to do with God and his sovereign will and how he's bringing people to himself. If you are one of the people who's really had your eyes open to who he is and what he's doing in Jesus, consider yourself blessed. Take yes, advantage of rejoice. it. Rejoice in that. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, that's kind of where uh, where we stand today, unless you want to throw something else in. Um, and uh, beautiful passage, and I love it because it's so I don't so really deep. know what to say. It's just a, yeah. It's really, really big. deep. It's big. I mean, the concepts in here are giant, and that sovereignty concept just kind of hovers over everything. God is the one who's making I think Jesus happen. is just, in this passage, he just seems so, he's so grateful to God for the authority he's been given and the fact that he can share that mm-hmm. with his followers and that they can also experience some of what he's experiencing Mm -hmm. in um in this mission that Mm -hmm. we have here yeah and watching it happen had to be a great moment for him he i I never forget that he is 100 percent human Mm -hmm. and he has those same you know yeah feelings feelings and maybe a little bit of just relief mm-hmm. that it's actually working. Yes. <laughs> that and just the graciousness that to God that that He's doing all of this. Yes, I think so. Uh, I think it's awesome that way. Yeah, and He has to be excited about it too. In, In some ways, He seems very, very human this. here. Yeah. yeah because He that. seems very like proud of the disciples for being willing to go out there and do it but so grateful to God that he's the one doing it all. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Uh, and God is definitely 
strongly emphasized here as being at the center of all everything that's happening. So, well, wonderful to talk to y'all again today. Really glad we got to um, let you in on some of these things. And so keep reading, read slowly as necessary and let God uh, show you some. Be willing. Right. Yeah. yeah, Just be willing to let him uh, open your eyes at his discretion. So great to talk to y'all. Have a great few days. And next time we will be getting into the parable of the Good Samaritan. God bless.